Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. And as you're turning there, I just want to catch everyone up on uh, the sermon series that we've been doing in our services. So Bryce has taken each part of the liturgy and shared with you via sermon about how that's important. Specifically last week, we looked at singing and how that is offered up as worship to God. And in today's sermon, I'm going to take a step back to unpack uh, why God deserves our worship. But before I do that, I want to uh, remind you guys of what happened about three years ago. So a little over three years ago, arguably one of the most devastating uh, things happened in the globe, in the 21st century. And I see a few head nods, uh, so you all know what I'm about to say, right? The pandemic. Pandemic hit. I was here. It was March 2020. City shut down. And the pandemic is really interesting, especially looking at it retrospectively, is because there, there were really a lot of devastating things that happened that affected the entire globe. A lot of people lost their lives, lost their jobs, um, lost their livelihood. Recreation was shut down. People had to relocate. Uh, companies that were thriving had to revamp and try to figure out how they were going to thrive in a, in a time like that. And... Yeah, things fell apart. Things fell, fell apart. But I bring that moment up because as believers, we know that there's something else that has been in this world that has wrecked it, it's ravaged through everything, has potential to ravage through everything, and has potential to affect our hearts negatively as well. And it's way worse than the pandemic. And that's sin. Sin that has been around for as long as we can remember, and the sin that we're all too used to. If I were to ask you all about 2020 and said, was that the worst year of your life? We'll probably get a resounding, yes, oh my goodness, it's terrible. But sin has been there long, long before. Sin is just not an infectious disease, it's in here too. It's in my heart. It's in your heart. And it begs us to to ask the question, when sin affects our lives so, so much, things tend to fall apart. It's the main objective of sin, is to tear apart what God has holding together and what he made good. And so I ask you all, what do you do when things fall apart? What do you do when things fall apart? What 
do you do when you have really high expectations for something and they're not met? What do you do when there are relationships that are broken and there's no reconciliation? What do you do when things go completely south or that thing that you put your trust in is gone and it seems like it just shook your foundation? What do you do when things fall apart? The reason why I ask you that question is because our focal passage this morning, we're going to read through Psalm 25, and I want you to have that question in your mind as we read. And as we read David's lament, I want to encourage you all that we must trust in God, even in hardship, because he will not lead us astray. We must trust in God, especially in hardship, because God will not lead us astray. And I know some of us are thinking, well... Why? why? Why should I trust God? Why must I trust God? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons, three points in this sermon about why we must trust God. First, we must trust God because he guides us, and we'll see that in this passage. Also, we must trust God because he is good. It's a very simple but very powerful truth that we take for granted. And also, we must trust God because he protects us. And so if you have it in your Bibles, uh, we're going to read from Psalm 25. God's word says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O God, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he plucked my feet out of the nets. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble." And forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you remain with us while we delve into your word, as we seek the truth, and while we're encouraged from your word. 
I ask that you would make what is confusing understood, that you would add clarity to your word, and ultimately remind us of the overwhelming love of Jesus. Thank you that you are with us in your word and that you speak to us and that you care for us so much that you give us this gift, the greatest gift, your son Jesus. So be with us in this sermon this morning. We pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. So as I mentioned before, this psalm, Psalm 25, is a lament, um, a grieving that David is going through. And at the same time that he's grieving, he is desiring and demanding things from God. And some of you might have been wondering while I was reading uh, the first third of this psalm, how could it be that David is demanding such things while he's grieving, while he's such in a lowly state? And so let's look back at a, at a few of the verbs and a couple of verses in the beginning, and, and let's see what, why he's uh, demanding things in his grief, right? It says, let me not be put to shame in verse 2. Make me know and teach me your ways in, in verse 4. Lead me in verse 5. Remember your mercy in verse 6. Remember not my sins in verse 7. Lead me, remember me, teach me. He's demanding that God guide him, not just in his way and what to do immediately in the time of trouble, but he's demanding that God guide him in his entire being. Remember, lead me, teach me. And why does he demand those things, especially in the middle of his trouble? He's demanding those things is because he trusts God right in the middle of his hardship. And David knows that God has never gone back on his word. When we're reading this, some of you might have been familiar with the other Psalms that echo what David is saying in Psalm 25. He knows that God will not go back on what he says. And so he's being reassured from God that his hope is being put in the right place. So much so that he says, God, do not put me to shame. In other words, don't make me be a liar. Don't make me come out to be a liar. He trusts God in such a way that he's being reassured that his hope is in Christ. And I know for some of us listening to that, we, we think to ourselves, well, David can have that confidence, right? He wrote the Psalms and gave promises to David. God gave promises to David. David can be that confident. But can we? Can we be that confident to communicate to God in the same way? We might be thinking this is really, really hard to do, just to, just to trust God. As a matter of fact, losing trust for some of us, has been the reason why we're facing some of the troubles that we're facing now. And I want, I want to be very careful when I say this. I am not saying that you have trouble in your life because you don't trust God. I'm saying that some of the trouble that you may be experiencing may be as a result of not or losing trust in the relationships that you have. And as a result, you choose not to trust God, right? Stop trusting people. You going to ask me to trust God? I don't think so. And if you're here this morning, and if that's the sentiment of your heart, if that's what's weighing heavily on your heart, 
then we have people in this church that you can talk to about that, who can help you better process that space and your story. I, admittedly so, I am not a professional counselor's counselor, but we do have professional counselors such as Matt King and Kelly Baxley who can help you navigate that space. This does remind me of the transition that my wife and I are in right now. In the announcements, Baxley told you all that we are moving to St. Louis. We're really excited, really anxious, a little afraid, to be honest. And in moments like this, like I especially am being prompted to trust God. But sometimes I don't. I'm going to be really honest with you. Sometimes I lean into my own work ethic or my own ability to get things done, and I'm like, all right, we're moving here, so I get, get this, 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 this done. And when I think about what's here, my community is here, like in this very room, right? My church is here. My life has been here for the past, what, eight and a half, almost nine years. But it sort of <laughs> stresses me out to, to think about what's out there, like the unknown, how things will get resolved. And so I lean in on my own understanding. If it were up to me, I would uproot the church, take it with me, and plop it down like a block or two away from my new home in St. Louis. But the Colombians especially will be very disappointed because when you look out the window, you won't see mountains. It's like, do you see mountains? I don't see any mountains here. It's no, no mountains in St. Louis. But that's what I would do because I, I have to admit, similar to David admittedly grieving and writing this lament, I too am grieving because I'm going to miss you guys. Like, I really, really love this church. I love you all. That's part of my grief, is having to leave you all and go to the unknown when I'd much rather just stay here. But in these moments, I'm reminded to put my hope in Jesus, put my hope in God the Father. And so that's my encouragement to you all, is to put your hope in God, because he is with you as his children. He is with you. Practically speaking, putting your hope in him is relinquishing the control that you think you have. It's leaning into the promises of God. It's acts of obedience in hoping in God. And you might be listening and thinking to yourself, I, 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 can't, I can't do that. It's, it's too risky. You don't know my situation. I got I to gotta hustle. I got to handle things. I have to. If I don't handle things, things will just fall apart, right? I'll feel a lot better if things were left up to me so that then, even if the outcome was bad, at least I know I tried to do something about it. At least I tried, right? Some of us might be thinking, I don't even have the energy to hustle. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I'm spent. If you feel that way, then you're, you're, you're not alone, I'm sure many of us have felt that way at some point or are currently feeling that way. However, as a church, we're reminding ourselves, I'm reminding myself that our hope is in Jesus. That's where our hope ought to be. 
And once our hope is in him, then we can begin to trust him. As we continue to read through Psalm 25, we see a shift from God guiding us, teaching us, allowing us to remember, leading us. We see that shift from guidance to his goodness. And his goodness points to two things, his character and the fact that he is a relational God, meaning that he desires to give us a thriving and fulfilling relationship with him. That's what we were made for. That's what we were created for. Even when we look at the passage, notice how the language shifts from the imperatives of remember me and lead me and teach me to stating what God has done and will continue to do. Notice in verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. He instructs me. He leads and teaches in verse 9. His soul shall abide in well-being in verse 13. He makes the friendship of the Lord known to them in his covenant. I'm going to repeat that. He makes the friendship of the Lord known to them in his covenant. Brothers and sisters, that is major news. Friendship, the God of the universe, comes down and calls you, his child, his friend. That's major. I mean, take, take a moment and think about a dear friend of yours. I've been in Columbia for quite a while, and so many of you are my dear friends. And friends are there for you through the good and the bad. Friends won't leave you. Maybe in proximity, you might be farther apart, but friends are there for you. And since God is good, he is the best friend that we could ever ask for. He is the best friend that we could ever ask for. Because he'll always be there for his children, and he'll never leave his children. This truth that God is our friend and he relates to us through his his son Jesus, this might sound a bit out of context because David is grieving and he's writing this lament, but it does start to make sense when we remember that David himself is remembering where his hope comes from in the middle of his grief. He knows that this is why he trusts the Lord, right? He, he trusts him because he knows that he is good and he has done so much for him. God is a good God. In our crises and moments of chaos, when things are falling apart, we have the tendency to pray to God rather than being in constant fellowship with him on a regular basis. I'm speaking to me as well. When things get shaky, when things get rocky, we run to God, not seeking relationship, but seeking an answer, seeking a solution. I remember hearing a song, this gospel song, old school. Um, The lyrics were, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And I'll be singing just clapping that. But that's not the transaction that God is calling us to. He's calling us to community. He's calling us to fellowship, not just to pick up and call 
to get what we want. And when we see how God relates to us, when we see his goodness, it reminds me of a quote in one of J.I. Packer's books. He's he's an author and theologian, uh, and he wrote a book called Knowing God. And in the book, he says this. And when David declared, as for God, his way is perfect, what he meant was that God's people find an experience, as he himself had found, that God never comes up short of the goodness to which he had laid claim. Psalm 18 says, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield of all who take refuge in him. Psalm 18, as a whole, is David's retrospective declaration of how he had himself proved that God is faithful to his promises and all-sufficient as a shield and defender. And every child of God who has not forfeited his birthright by backsliding enjoys a parallel experience. And so what, what is J.R. Packer saying in that, in that quote? He's saying that God shows his character through his actions. I really like what one of my seminary professors shared about God. He said, God is what he does and does what he is. So he rules over the world because he's king. He's our father, and so he takes care of us. So any way you look at it, we see the character of God and consequently his actions for his people. And so remember that we can see his goodness through his promises that have been fulfilled. And what does God promise for his people? He promises that he would send a descendant of David to reign and guide his people. That descendant of David that, he's, that he promised to David is Jesus. That promise has been fulfilled. Just think about that for a moment. Because of that, we have a friend in Jesus. The God of the universe relates to us through his son, Jesus. Also remember that God has done so much for you, right? Um, Sometimes that's what it takes for us to remember and be thankful for what God has done and to know that he is good. And and I want to say in the middle of, of declaring that God is good, I am not saying that Grief will stop. I'm not saying that pain will go away. I'm not saying that you won't experience death on this side of heaven. Those things will continue while we're here on earth, while you continue to know God. That, that's, that's a truth that we live with because we live in a fallen world. And we'll continue to experience that, that fallenness, that brokenness that comes along with sin in our hearts, but thankfully, there's hope in the restorative work of Jesus Christ. And so we must trust God because he guides us. He is a good God. And the final point is that he protects us. In the last third of David's lament, we read how David is asking for forgiveness and protection. So verses 16 through 18, it reads, turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all of my sins. 
David is in trouble. David is in trouble when he's writing this. Whatever he's going through, whatever affliction he's experiencing, he cannot get out of it himself, even if he wanted to. And so he's begging for protection. He's asking for grace. He's desiring God's grace. That same grace that allows him to be heard by God, that same grace that lets him know that he is loved by God, that same grace that reminds him that says, you are with me. You are with me. He begs for this grace and then asks God for protection from his enemies. And in the middle of what we see, we see this phrase again in verse 20, the same phrase that we see in verse 2 and 3. We see, let me not be put to shame. And that weight that David is experiencing is coupled with external forces like enemies and is bringing him to the point that is so dire that he can't look or even go anywhere else. And this is why right after he says, let me not be put to shame, he says, he follows that up with, for I take refuge in you. For I take refuge in you. We find here that God is his physical, his mental, his spiritual, and emotional help. He is with you. It's, it's very interesting when we seek protection, when we're in the middle of trouble, when we seek protection, there, there's something interesting that happens. Sort of reminds me when you, you parents, when you have your toddlers that go out and play in the courtyard or maybe at a you know, nearby park near your home, and everything's fine, you know, little boy is uh, playing until he gets hurt, until he falls, until he gets hit by something. And of course, the child screams and everyone turns to the child and is like, what happened? But in that moment of pain, in that moment of shock, there's something beautiful that goes on in that moment. What does the child do? Almost inevitably, instinctively, the child runs to the parent. Why? It's because that child knows that in the parent's arms, they're going to feel safe. They're going to feel comforted. They're going to be protected. And so they run, make a mad dash to the first parent they see, because they know, even as a young, young child, they know that their parents will keep them safe. And so when things fall apart, we ought to do the same thing, find safety in him, run to him, meaning that our souls will be safe with him. I said earlier that, you know, this this message is not saying that we're going to be exempt from pain or grief, things like that, but our souls will be safe with him. He delights when we run to him. He delights when we call him father. He delights when we start to understand and see the gospel. He delights when we accept the gift of salvation. He delights in all of that. And God sent Jesus to die for us so that we can be safe. We can be saved. He is with us as his children. Because we find safety in him, we must also pray to the Holy Spirit that we can discern what to ask for protection from. And if you're like me, your prayers tend to sound like, oh, Lord, you know, help me with this, or is this person, or that situation, or that thing out there, some external thing. When the truth is, 
this lure of sin that I'm all too used to, that I was born with, is what I need protection from. It's what we need protection from. And so, brothers and sisters, as, as believers, we know that God is with us. He speaks to us through his word. He cares for us through his creation. He draws near to us because he loves us. And we know that when we remind ourselves of the gospel, we see these things. And God, he sent his son to become sin, defeat death, and rise again so that we can commune with God and be restored. And like David, we must trust that God guides us. We must trust that God is good and that he protects us. And we're reminded of all those things when we look to the cross. On the cross, God has taken our shame and given us righteousness. On the cross, God has made his children safe. On the cross, we now have relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross. And friendship with God as well. And so, brothers and sisters, let's go to God in prayer and thank him for what he has done and for who he is. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so, so much for your word. We thank you for David's words, um, which remind us that you are with us even when we grieve. You are with us because you, you guide us, you teach us. You allow us to remember, you lead us. You, are, you remind us that you are good in your character and in your actions, and that's how you reveal yourself to us. We thank you so much for this truth, Father. We thank you that you also protect us when the sting of sin hits us, when death, when we experience death and we grieve You protect us. Our souls are safe. We are safe because of what your son Jesus did on the cross. And so, God, as we go forth, we ask that you would continue to add clarity to your word and allow us to experience the overwhelming love of Jesus so that we will constantly be living examples as your creatures, as your children, knowing that you are with us because you love us, and so we can trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.